0: Welcome to LTV Zion News on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up in today's newscast, the Israeli Prime Minister narrowly avoids some mortar fire on the Syrian border. Archaeologists discover that our ancestors may have been more fashionable than we thought. And we'll reveal the top five reasons you should keep your eye on the Israeli military. I'm Natasha Kirchuk here with the latest news in Israel. Another mortar has hit the Golan Heights and it took place at the same time that the Israeli Prime Minister was giving a speech in the region's capital of Katsrin just 10 miles away. On Wednesday, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was speaking at an event to mark the 40th anniversary of the founding of Katsrin when a stray shell from fighting in Syria landed nearby. It's the fourth shell in a week to land the Kunetra area of the Golan Heights and for the fourth time the IDF has responded with a strike on a Syrian army position. This time it appears as though the mortar was fired from that position, but Israel always targets the Syrian army either way. Israeli policy is to treat all attacks coming from Syria as the responsibility of the Syrian army. The Israeli prime minister is saying that Israel is not involved in the bloody conflict in Syria, but he's pledging to respond with decisiveness and strength to any violation of Israeli sovereignty. Israel is already known as a startup nation and it looks like the Israeli National Intelligence Agency Mossad is about to start capitalizing on Israeli ingenuity to update its spy technology. Mossad has set up an investment fund to facilitate the development of new techniques and technologies in the shadowy world of espionage. They're offering grants of up to around $600,000 for new high-tech projects, According to a government statement, Mossad is looking for new technology in the fields of robotics, encryption, and miniaturization, as well as automated data analysis. Developers who receive grants from the so-called Libertad Fund will retain the rights to their products. The Mossad's only looking for non-exclusive usage
1: rights. <laughs> בנינו את הקרן כך שתתמוך בחופש הפעולה של יזמים בעלי מעוף, הפועלים לממש את חלומם, ושתאפשר לנו להשתמש בפיתוחים שלהם למימוש משימתנו הלאומית. המוסד ייתן את חלקו באמצעות מימון של מחקר ופיתוח, ובתמורה יקבל לרשותו טכנולוגיה לצרחב.
0: The Mossad shocked the world with its operations in the early days of the State of Israel, including the extraction of Nazi war criminal Adolf Eichmann from Argentina. Now they're turning to Israeli startups for the future of the agency.
2: Now, more and more, the המוסד ישמור על העליונות הטכנולוגית למען ביטחון אזרחי ישראל.
0: The High Court of Justice is set to hear a petition on the now-frozen pluralistic prayer site at the Western Wall, and the heads of two major Jewish organizations are calling for a resolution to the Israeli cabinet's controversial decision. On Sunday, the Israeli cabinet decided to put a hold on the January 2016 agreement to build an egalitarian prayer section at Robinson's Arch at the Western Wall. And liberal Jewish movements across the world are outraged. Israeli Minister of Foreign Affairs, Sahi Hane, Alluded recently to the possibility of the decision being overruled by the courts, and that sounding like a real possibility. The High Court of Justice is giving the state until July 12th to present its arguments for the decision, and it scheduled the hearing for July 3rd. 30th. Meanwhile, the leaders of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and Ron Lauder, the head of the World Jewish Congress, are putting out statements calling for a resolution to the divisive issue. The Jewish agency and conservative and reform movements have already made clear their vocal opposition to what they claim is a concession to the ultra-Orthodox parties in the current government coalition. The speaker of the Knesset, Yuli Edelstein, is in Moscow, and he is even addressing the upper house of the Russian parliament. Considering that he was a Soviet prisoner 30 years ago, that's pretty impressive. And ILTV correspondent Max Keisler has more. Now, Max, does Edelstein's visit represent a breakthrough in Israeli-Russian relations?
2: Say it's a sign that the breakthrough has already happened. For years, we've seen warming relations between Israel and Russia. This is a product of Russian pragmatism. The Soviets were constrained by ideology. They were anti Zionist. And obviously, the idea that hundreds of thousands of Jews wanted to move out of the Soviet Union, that they weren't happy with their lives, this was seen as a challenge to communism. But these are all non issues now.
0: You know, Russia is clearly close to Iran. Mm -hmm. Doesn't this pose an issue with the Russian relationship with Israel, how can they be friendly to Israel under these circumstances? Well,
2: there's some places where Israel and Russia, geopolitically, are on different sides. There's some places where they're on the same side. I think both countries have an understanding that when their interests align, they can do business together.
0: All right, well, let's check out your report.
2: (laughs) Thirty years ago, Yuli Edelstein was released from the Soviet prison system, where he'd spent three years in Siberian labor camps. Officially, he'd been charged with drug possession. But his real crime was teaching Hebrew to other Jewish refuseniks trapped in Moscow, the capital of the Soviet Union. Now, Edelshin has returned to Moscow as a senior Israeli politician, speaking as a guest to the Russian parliament in the same Hebrew language he was imprisoned for teaching. Along with speaking to the parliament on terrorist threats to Israel, including those from Hezbollah, a buyer of Russian weapons, Edelshin's been visiting the sites from his life as a Moscow refusenik. He's gone to the synagogue where he prayed, the courtroom where he was sentenced, and the apartment block where he was arrested. Today, Edelshin is meeting with Sergei Lavrov, the Russian foreign minister. It's a long way from the gulag.
0: Israel has presented satellite imagery of an Iranian missile test from last year and the Islamic Republic used a Star of David as its target. Israel's ambassador to the UN, Dani Danon, has written a complaint to the UN Security Council and is circulating pictures of the missile test site. Danon says the missile launch is a direct violation of UN Security Council Resolution 2231 and clear evidence of Iran's continued attention to harm the state of Israel. Earlier in June, Iran fired medium-range ballistic missiles at Syria in what the Revolutionary Guard described as a message to its enemies. In March 2016, Iran test-fired two ballistic missiles inscribed with the phrase, Israel must be wiped out. U.S. President Donald Trump has recently imposed sanctions on several entities involved in the Iranian ballistic missile program. Former President Barack Obama's 2015 nuclear deal did not cover the missile program, but the U.N. Security Council Resolution 23 31 does call for Iran to not undertake any activity related to ballistic missiles designed to be capable of delivering nuclear weapons. Well, there's some good news today for former Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Olmert. The Israeli parole board has ruled to release him from prison 11 months early, which means that after serving 16 months out of a 27-month sentence for corruption, the former diplomat will be freed for good behavior. ILTV's Aaron Porce returns with details on this story. Now, Aaron, isn't Olmert still being investigated? How did this happen?
2: So you're right. He was being investigated for possibly divulging secrets, having been the former mm-hmm. prime minister, in a memoir that he's currently compiling. Um, but that it, that was deemed irrelevant towards you know for the parole board to consider his parole, um, and it doesn't. It's not necessarily going to be pushed further uh, beyond this point. As for his early release, it's not yet sure whether or not the prosecution that's investigating him is going to push against that or fight against that. At this right. time, it seems. Um, like they won't. Um, and we know that they advised against it, though. I'll give you the, more, I'll give you the rest of the details in, uh, in my report.
0: Sounds good.
2: Olmert was first charged in what is now known as one of the largest cases of graft in Israeli history. The conviction in March 2014 landed Olmert a six-year sentence, which was later reduced to 18 months upon appeal. One month was then added for obstruction of justice, and then the sentence was extended again by eight months in 2016 for alleged bribery in the so-called Talansky affair. The total sentence was 27 months. Now, though, the courts have ruled to reduce Olmert's sentence for good behavior, and he could be walking free by the end of the weekend. While prison services are preparing his release, investigators are currently looking into a memoir written by Olmert for allegedly divulging sensitive information. They advised holding off on issuing Olmert's parole until the investigation concludes, or at least to include their findings in the decision making process. But Olmert denies any wrongdoing, and the parole board has declared that they did not consider the book as a factor in their hearings. It's not yet clear whether prosecutors will attempt to appeal the parole based on their findings, but what is clear is Olmert's elation. Just take it from his lawyer. <laughs>
1: ורגש שמה שהוא בקש החל מתקיים ו... ובתופ שכך
0: Combating the negative stereotypes that Israel faces on a daily basis can be an endless and exhausting mission, especially when you even have to do it within the communities of diaspora Jewry. Well, now at least one rabbinical school in the U.S. is helping to do just that by organizing very special trips to Israel. Joining me in the studio now to tell us more is Rabbi Eliat Yardeni Funk, the Dean of the Rabbinical School at the Academy for Jewish Religion in California, Gabriel Porten, an educator and tour guide, and Rabbi Rabbi Yocheved Mintz from Congregation Penai Tikva in Las Vegas. That was a mouthful. Thank you all for joining us. I'm so excited to have such a big group here. All right, so let's begin by talking a little bit about the Academy and the people that came with
3: you on this program. So the Academy is a very special organization that believes that we have one God and one Torah and we should all unite. And therefore, the rabbis and the students are orthodox, conservative, reform, Chabad, reconstructionist and humanist rabbis, as are the students, the idea of Jewish unity. And uh, 15 years ago, when we started the academy, the vision was really exciting to... Focus on what matters, bringing Jews back to synagogues and making sure that the congregants know that, yes, we rabbi have something to say, and we need to bring you back into our congregation. Israel matters, and Judaism matters. Very interesting. We're extremely concerned about the over 70% intermarriage and we're doing everything we can, can to combat that. Now,
0: what was your mission? I, I mean, you're talking about saying the mission is clearly to kind of combat this issue of intermarriage, but, I mean, a pluralistic community, that is what you're creating here.
3: What is the hope for the future, I, I would guess, you know, from, from creating a program like this? So the academy um, ordains both rabbis, cantors, and chaplains. The vision of this particular trip was almost a month long in Israel, a Zionist trip that chose the full gamut of Israel politically um, as well as religiously. Um, The idea that when a barbat mitzvah child comes of age and they're asking, Rabbi, what should I donate my money to? Um, The answer will not be to save the whales and dolphins off the coast of California, but we have brothers and sisters in Israel that could use our help. So the vision of this trip was... Torah, Avodah, and Gemilut chasadim three different goals to make this trip really meaningful. And the, both board members and students who participate in this month-long trip um, did all of the above. And they have access to incredible organizations, first class. Well, that's what I actually wanted to ask. Mr.
0: Portman, can you tell us a little bit about the trip? What did you do? Where did you go? There's a uh, lot to see here. <laughs>
3: uh, we spent three weeks traveling the country. We were all the way up north, um, all the way up to the border of Lebanon, Syria, down in the Negev. The bulk of our time we spent in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv meeting with religious leaders, social activists, on the one hand, inspiring them to see how incredible this country is, and on the other hand, seeing the uh, the real challenges that this country faces. Not-
0: and, and I understand there was also a very unique trip to the Rambam Hospital. Can you tell us about that, Rabbi Yochua? Yes,
4: indeed. Um, many ways I thought this, uh, this trip, everything that we did was for me, but when we got to the mm-hmm. Rambam Hospital, and uh, the doctor mentioned that they had a new treatment for parkinson's i was amazed because i have parkinson's wow and uh, before i knew it uh, i was whisked away and there was a a uh, an appointment made for me to check to see whether i was eligible and i was eligible and i've done the tests and now you see my hair tomorrow it will be gone and sunday in your Um my tremors will be gone too.
0: That's unbelievable. So you had no idea that this was I going to take no place? Idea. No idea. i not
4: any idea. And and the uh focused ultrasound sonification mm-hmm. was something I I didn't even know about.
0: Mm-hmm. This is crazy. So you arrive to the Raman Hospital to take a tour and then you hear about this treatment and now you're going to be chick-chug well, wow, unbelievable. The, yeah, I
4: think it was a trip for you. I, I to me I say uh
3: Well, what Yocheva doesn't know is that there was a plan to introduce her to these doctors. Wow. Um, So we saw the video from six months ago on YouTube about a a patient who was cured within 10 minutes. the Tremors stopped, and I contacted Rambam Hospital, arranged for the trip, and said, we have someone who may be very interested in this. Please
4: make sure to mention it. But Yocheva doesn't know that. No, Layat knows people in high places, evidently. (laughs)
0: Wow that so that I mean i can only, I'm just getting emotional hearing this now, so i can I can only imagine what it felt like for your program and those involved to kind of witness this moment and you know this is only one disease that uh you know Israeli scientists are helping cure there are so many new uh, medical breakthroughs taking place in Israel every day, so Indeed. I mean, I'm sure, I, I can't even imagine how you're feeling right now. Well, I'll
4: let you know next week.
0: Absolutely. Well, mazal hey. and, and thank you so much for coming to the studio and telling us this story and, and hearing about the work that the Academy is doing. Unfortunately, we've run out of time, but I really, really hope to hear what the outcome of thank this you. is. Thank you for coming in. It looks like our ancestors from biblical times had some style because a new discovery in southern Israel has just revealed the earliest evidence of a plant-based dye in the country and it's changing our understanding of the world of King Solomon. Archaeologists digging in the Timna Valley in the Negev Desert have uncovered dozens of red and blue pieces of cloth that date back to the early Iron Age 3,000 years ago. That's a time when King David and Solomon ruled in Jerusalem. But Timna wasn't in the kingdom of Judah. It was part of the kingdom of Edom, who the Bible says are descendants of Esau, Jacob's brother. According to the book of Genesis, Esau traded his inheritance as a firstborn child to Jacob for a bowl of red or a dome lentil soup. It was previously thought that Timna was a metalworking and smelting site, but the presence of vivid red and blue textiles implies that there was a hierarchical society with a fashionable upper class. And this means that society in the region may well have been more developed than previously thought.
1: הממצא
2: המאוד מרגש הוא בעצם העדות הקדומה ביותר שיש לנו בארץ ישראל שלריג צבוע באמצעות צמחים אה, בתעשייה משוכללת כמו שאנחנו מכירים בתקופות הרבה יותר מאוחרות מה <תודה> שאנחנו
3: חושבים מהעדות הזאת ו עדויות שמצטברות לנו עם הזמן, שבעצם מי שעבד על הכבשנים, מי שהפיק מתכת, לא היה כמו שחשבו עד עכשיו אלא הם היו אנשים מאוד חשובים באוכלוסייה שהתלבשו בצורה מכובדת ואולי אפילו היו מעין כהנים
0: Okay, our next guest is an artist whose unique sculptures have been showcased in the Jerusalem Theater, the Tel Aviv Opera House, and in various municipal buildings across Israel. He's also had exhibits in France, Germany, and even the United States. Joining us today in the studio is Rami Ater, who creates sculptures out of iron. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Now, I am excited pleasure. to see what you have created. How long have you been creating this type of art?
1: The, well, it appears because. I've been doing art for the last uh, thirty-five years, but I ran into iron uh, just about uh, ten years, 10, ten years ago. Yeah, ten yeah. years ago, and uh, and, and, and this I, is what you have
0: produced. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, I'm looking at it, and it, this is not an easy material to work with. So, how do you create these sculptures?
1: It's uh, well, I, I work with uh, well, uh, I work with uh, burners. I work with uh, I do welding and. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh,
0: and that's here in Israel.
1: Yeah, I work in Israel uh, and, you know, I, I chose, uh, actually, it, it's not that, uh, it's, it's not the question of, uh, is it easy? Right. This, is, this is the method that uh, I work with. Yeah, I
0: mean, it, but it does require a lot of strength and you have to deal with heat oh, and you have to...
1: It, it 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 has to do with heat, yeah. yeah. Heat and noise, but, but it's...
0: But, but you enjoy it, and I mean, clearly other people do too because your sculptures have been a really... Um, big success. So you said that it it wasn't until ten years ago that you started working with iron. What made you choose um, this material?
1: It it, it just happened. Uh, I just ran into iron by accident, mm-hmm. and uh, once uh, I started working with it, I realized this is. Uh, this is the, uh, the matter I, I can really express myself through, so. Interesting. Yeah, how, how, does
0: what, how did you be, run into
1: iron? Oh, oh, that's a long story. Uh, we, we don't have the time for it. But I just had spare time and pieces of iron and I, you know, I do art, so I just started uh, welding them together. But the thing with irony is that it fights back, so you have to struggle with it mm. when you do your art. So it makes it more interesting. Absolutely,
0: and I'm sure the story behind each piece can be really different because of that experience. Well, I mean, just looking at this myself, I'm I'm so impressed. So where is the next place that we can see your sculptures?
1: Well, uh, the next place uh, uh, I'm working on several projects now, but uh, the next I, I don't know where it's going to be. Actually. I do know, but I cannot say, right. uh, because I'm working on two, two exhibitions in parallel, uh, and I'm not in liberty to share. To, to share s- that information. To, to share. Well, we will yes. be
0: looking out for your work. Thank you so much for joining us, Lami. Thank you. We already know that Israel is at the forefront of military technology, but today ILTV's Emmanuel Kadosh is joining me to give you the rundown on the top five coolest military
5: inventions to date. Emanuel, yes, 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 hello. Okay, well, <clears throat> we already know Israel is one of the world's top weapons exp- exporters, sorry, with around 6.5 million billion annual arms sales and is responsible for exports around 60% of the world's drones. So that's That's, a a big deal. And and
0: even though Israel is such a small country, um, about 4.5% of its GDP is spent on research and development. And about 30% of that goes to products of a military
5: nature, which kind of makes sense because Everybody here goes to the army when they're 18, right? So right. it's a big deal. It's very important. It's part of their life. You know, it's military, army service. That's part of where they, you know, uh, feel comfortable with after high school. So let's break down the list, right? Let's break down the list. So it starts off with the number one we have the corn yes, <laughs> the corner that, shot, which the name actually kind of describes itself. It's a gun that allows the soldiers to kind of shoot around corners without being exposed. Right. So the idea is that you could literally be standing
0: behind a around a corner aim your gun, and it's going to hit its
5: target. And there's a camera involved, right? right? The gun itself Right, a so camera. the target um, gets hit. I mean, I don't know the percentage-wise, but it gets hit because of the camera that's on the gun itself. You have a screen. You can see what's around the this corner. This crazy. Wow, this is amazing. And so it, it's essentially helping protect soldiers in the field. Who invented this? Right. It was actually invented by former IDF counter-terror unit commander Amos Galon, um, who clearly wanted to protect his soldiers from attacks around the corners. Up next, we have the human backpack, or otherwise known as the Injured Personnel Carrier IPC. Again, kind of self-explanatory almost. It's a backpack that allows you to help injured soldiers, your friends like on the battlefield, kind of carry them on their back, piggyback them a little bit leaves your so hands free. So you can free. literally strap a person to you as if they were a backpack right. with this technology. Right. That right. They've so wore. you strap on, you put the straps um, on, you sit down, you put it on like a backpack, them on like a backpack, <laughs> roll over and pick them up. And this is really important because, you know, the number one rule in the army is never leave right. anyone
0: behind. And it's also a product that can be used not only in the military, in but ways. also for rescue teams, firefighters, right. police stations, everything. Um, now the third military invention
5: that you have for us is my It's called the the fighter pilot heads up display. So now this kind of uses um, the pilot's eyes. So whatever he sees, he has control of, like not having to use his hands, less distraction. Uh, It was developed by the Israeli military military electronics L-Beat system. Um, It's come up with the helmet that allows the pilots kind of to have more focus on what they're Doing and not what they're playing with. Interesting. Very yes. cool. Yes. And I think number four we have the trophy vehicle rocket protector. That's
0: a whole other. Right. 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 That's <laughs> there's a whole sound other. Waiting for
5: the sound. A whole other ding for it. Yes. Uh, this protects military vehicles from incoming uh, RPGs or other kind of rockets that are going to be attacking. Kind of acts like the Iron Dome if you know, if you know, or if you've heard of it. Um, they see it a here. rocket coming through and they intercept it with a rocket coming out. Well, and now on to our last, because I know we're running out of time. but Right. We didn't hear this. Our next military invention: the through through <laughs> wall, wall X-ray vision. X-ray vision. The Israeli firm Camaro specializes in handheld devices, and it allows tactical teams to see people for objects through the walls. So, kind of. So you can literally see, you through, can the see, wall. see the through the that wall. You can see through the wall, but it's not real. But you're you're able to do that using a radar. Right. correct? Through the radar, you can hold it up against the wall. You can see the people that are inside the room. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Amanyue.
2: Enroll in eTeachers' online Hebrew courses and quickly discover that it creates the deepest connection to Israel that you could ever imagine.
0: And now for our Hebrew word of the day. Some incredible ancient textile samples have just been found, giving us a colorful window into some of the fashion trends from biblical times. So, today's word is bad, meaning cloth or textile. Badim, or fabrics, come in seemingly infinitely different materials, colors, and textures, and of course are produced for a variety of different uses too. The bud you surround yourself with, whether it's in the form of a shirt or blouse or the curtains over your window, is important. It can help you stay warm or cool. It could allow light to to seep through your room or it could block out the sun. And you can mold shape or sew it into a million different tools like sails, parachutes, shopping bags, and canvases. Long story short, Madim are your friends and now you know your friend's name. All right, let's go ahead and take a look at the weather forecast. Tonight will be partly cloudy with a low of 75 or 24 degrees Celsius. This weekend is set to be unseasonably hot with a heat stress related warning. Temperatures in the central cities are expected to hover around a high of 85 or 29 degrees Celsius, getting up to 109 or 43 degrees Celsius in the south. All right, that's it for today's news. Today's exchange rate is 3.5 shekels to the American dollar. Remember to sign up for our daily newsletter at ILTV.tv. I'm Natasha Kirchuk, and thanks for watching.